Hello and welcome to Follow Your Bliss, a podcast for big-hearted, deep feelers who want to make a difference in the world. This is your time to get motivation and momentum to do what makes your soul shine. My name is Jessica Flint. I'm a soul strengths business coach and social impact entrepreneur that has helped millions of people improve their life. And I'm here to empower you to become a badass success story because I know it's within you when you stop selling yourself short, stop waiting for the perfect moment, and stop letting the opinions of others drown out your inner voice. It's never too late to create a life you're excited about and love waking up to. I believe we all have unique soul strings that hold the key to unlocking our greatest success and are just begging to be expressed right now in this very moment. Now, this podcast features heart-to-heart conversations with successful authors, entrepreneurs, spiritual leaders, experts, and everyday all-stars just like you about their path to greater purpose and soul alignment. It's time to claim your joy, your worth, your highest soul expression, and your feeling of enoughness. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome, my lovely listeners. Today is a monumental day on the show because I am introducing a new concept that I have just been dreaming about for ages. And today is the very first episode of a reality podcast series. So you heard that. We are doing a reality podcast series where you get to walk through the creative journey of a fellow listener. Now, my intention is that the conversations and learning lessons that unfold here will help you awaken to your soul's calling and how to take actionable steps to actually make it happen. Now, this will be a 12-part series highlighting all that goes into starting a podcast and a mission-driven business. And the star of the show is a very special soul I have had the honor of knowing for years now. We met in my very first class I ever taught online called How to Get Unstuck back in 2017. And since we work together in other programs like my Make Magic Happen program and School of Recovery, and it's just been so amazing to watch her grow and come into her full light and really find that purpose that she feels she was put on earth for. And now we are working together and she is one of my private coaching clients. And I am so excited to be able to bring her onto the show because this woman was absolutely born to share her voice with large groups of people She makes me laugh like no other, has a heart of pure gold, and is about to bring an unexpected burst of joy into your day. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Colette Dingens. Hello, Blessica. How is my lovey today? Oh, I love, she's the best at nicknames. Yes, you are my Blessica. I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me. I'm so privileged to be a part of this podcast, and I'd like to give a shout out to all the listeners. I have been a dedicated listener, and I'm happy we are all in this together. So thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being like open to doing this, like going through these this whole journey and sharing it publicly around going f- like from this idea that you want to start a podcast, you want to have this mission-driven business to actually putting it out into the world. And so I'm just so excited to be able to open up this process to to all the listeners. And yeah, so Colette, first and foremost, let's just start off by getting to know you more. What brought you to this point where we're here having this conversation? I know that's a pretty big question, so just <laughs> let it rule. Okay, well, um, you know, Jessica, I'll not call you Blessica um, the whole time, just part every once in a while. You know, when you and I first met, years ago, I had already come to you with so much respect of what you had done with your app for, uh, you know, uh, 
eating disorders because I had been in an eating disorder program. So I came to you with a lot of respect with your intelligence and your wisdom and really wanted to continue learning from you. So that's why I, you know, became a part of your different programs. And when you and I started to work together on this one-on-one coaching, you said to me, Claude, I remember you talking about this when we were in the, uh, you know, how to become unstuck program. And basically the path of how I've landed to where I'm at is one that I think a lot of people can relate to. I, you know, I went through life kind of going about my business, kind of making decisions that were based upon not necessarily about what I was truly asking myself, what I really wanted to do and what kind of life I wanted to create, kind of just going along with the social norms, like getting married, having kids, and everything was kind of just going the way it was supposed to go. And then I kind of had a curveball thrown at me where I had a child that was diagnosed with special needs. My oldest son was diagnosed with autism, and I did not do that great with the diagnosis over the course of many years. Well, initially when the diagnosis came, it was jump on the gerbil wheel, go, 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 try to fix them, try to fix them. And we spent the first probably five years just so embedded in trying to fix my son's autism, like every type of nutritional uh, what is what we call it? Nutritional intervention. So we were trying different diets. We were trying different supplements. We were trying every kind of therapy. We did ABA therapy, which is applied behavioral analysis. We did RDI, which is relationship development. We did, you know, sunrise. I mean, everything that you could try, we were desperate, desperate to try to um, help our son. And a lot of the intensity of those actions were based upon a lot of guilt and shame that I broke my son. And so during this period, there was very little self-care, very little self-compassion. I really just spent a lot of time in a negative space of guilt and shame and, you know, not sleeping and, you know, never feeling like I was doing enough. And if I were better, my son would be better. And what eventually this led to was me having to learn some, you know, hard lessons in life. I ended up becoming clinically depressed um, really struggled and had to end up putting my life back together. And in retrospect, I saw that a lot of this was suffering that wasn't necessary. I was putting a lot of energy into things that I was so driven by my guilt and so driven by my feeling I had failed my son that I was really harming myself. And I didn't have to. And, you know, when anyone goes through something this hard, it's a total normal part of the grieving process to have some of these things. But in retrospect, I really saw that I could have taken tools and coping mechanisms to support myself rather than deplete myself. So when I started to recover from all of this, and when I started to kind of shed some of these things with the help of what I found with self-compassion, and it's a continued a continued practice that I use, self-compassion, trying to let some of these things go, I really saw that I wanted to connect with other people that are caregivers, autism caregivers, specifically autism moms, because I'm an autism mom and that's why I relate to the most, but any autism caregiver, any type of caregiver that, you know, our lives are hard. Like the reality is, and everyone's life's hard, not just an autism family's life, but everyone's life is hard. And it's not, we can never avoid those things, right? But we can offer ourselves warmth and tenderness and support during those times. So, boy, this is a long story to get to my point, but my point being is that the more that I learned these lessons and the more that I processed these things and saw how being forgiving of myself of, you know, my mistakes and giving myself space and grace to be imperfect and messy, I really saw how it benefited me. And I really wanted to share that with other 
um, caregivers, autism caregivers, because it is a tough road and we need all the support that we can get. Um, and so I got more and more enthusiastic and the more that I learned, the more I wanted to share. And the bottom line is as self-compassion will have you do, it'll ask you, you know, what do I need? What do I want? And one of the things that really breathes life and color into my soul is connecting with people. Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be like, Hey, let's talk about the wisdom of, you know, what I've learned. It's like, Hey, you know, what did your day look like today? Tell me all about it. Cause I want to be excited for you. Like I just need to connect. So a podcast is the perfect platform for me because I love to gab. I'm like, just give me an opportunity to like gab, gab, gab. And I'm like, yes. Um, you know, I just, I really have a place in my heart where I want to deliver as much positive energy as I can to other autism moms out there. You know, it's not about the kids. We love the kids. This is not about the kids, but I really want to connect with those autism moms and really help them find, you know, whether it be a micro minute or an hour of self-love and tenderness and care and warmth and support because we need it. Oh, damn. I love you, Colette. This is awesome. Because <laughs> part of doing this show is, too, to get Colette like warmed up for her show, which we're going to be talking more about and when it's going to debut in August. But you're just a natural. Like That was just, I love being able to hear you go with this most broad question that I could possibly ask, what brings you here today? <laughs> and just have such a concise response to that. And thank you for sharing. Well, Thank you. And you, Jessica, know me. And sometimes having a conversation with me is like playing ping pong. So I'm glad that I was able to like keep it on one track because I can't guarantee that at all times. <laughs> but what I love about you is that you have this depth to you. Like it's it's totally there. Like we, we can go deep and we talk about very deep issues. At the same time, there is this surficial part that wants to just gab, you know, talk about. 100% what's going on with your day. And so it's such a beautiful gift to have both of those because sometimes people can feel really out of their element in small talk or, mm -hmm. or really out of their element in deeper kind of conversation. So mm -hmm. I think it's great you can kind of. I heard a really good analogy about me on that once. Somebody said that I used to be a shallow puddle of champagne and when did I become a deep Merlot? <laughs> 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 I was like, when life runs you over, you 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 know the grapes deepen. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh man! So I just want to get the kind of chronology with this. So your your son was born. Like how mm -hmm. how long did it take for the diagnosis? Like, um, was it years where you were like, what's going on? Or like, did he develop at you know differently than your your other child? Like, when did you start to realize? Well, every autism family and every child with autism is different. You know, we all look so different. Our kids, some are nonverbal, some are verbal, some are self-interest, some aren't, some sleep, some don't, some start out severe and end up completely recovered. Some barely make anything. Some are potty trained, some are never potty trained. And we all, I mean, even though we're all united under this umbrella of autism, we have such different experiences. So my, my experience is going to be very unique, you know, to somebody else, but basically I believe that autism and, you know, there's going to be people that are going to argue differently. We all are allowed to have our own kind of idea of, of what, you know, or the circumstances of our children. But I believe the concept that the genetics are the gun and the environment pulls the trigger. So I believe that my son came in. I When I was pregnant, I think I had a systemic yeast infection because I was eating all the sugar and I was gaining no weight. My doctor's like, well, I don't know what to tell you because you're not getting enough weight. And when he came, when he was born... He was two weeks late. The umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck. They forced me to push out as fast as we can. So I think that that is one part partial contributor to it. Um, I think that my body, so when he came out, he was so thin. Like he was so, he was 22 inches and like a string bean. He was so thin. So I, I wonder how much nutrition was compromised for him because of 
my body and how it was in terms of its health. And then I just think that there were so many things that contributed to it. He, we were living in hotels for six months. We didn't have a pediatrician. He had constant ear infections. He was given antibiotics for weeks upon weeks upon weeks at a time, which, you know, if you believe in the gut being the second brain, his gut was just completely, you know, obliterated. And I really did see during that time a decline in his ability to make eye contact and his food. He had been so open to eating anything. And then he stopped being able to use a sippy cup. So definitely like we had nine straight weeks of antibiotics when he was six months old. And I saw, I feel like I saw, yeah. And because we had different, and I didn't know any better. Like, and that's part of where the shame and the guilt comes in. It's like, I made all these choices having no clue that it potentially, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying that, you know, what happened because there's going to be people out there that are going to go, that's not true. And you know, blah, blah, blah. But you're allowed to think that that's okay. This is my, this is my path. And I kept telling my doctor that there was a problem. And this is before Google. That's how old I am. Bless God. This is before Google. (laughs) So I kept telling the doctor, like, I just felt like there was something wrong. And he kept telling me I was a helicopter parent because he made eye contact. He had like 20 words and he was affectionate because those were the three things. Don't make eye contact, don't talk, or not affectionate. And he was all those things. And my doctor kept telling me over and over and over again, I was a hypochondriac and there was nothing wrong with them and blah, 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 blah. I just kept asking, kept asking. And then we moved to Michigan and we were there for one week and we went to our new doctor and the nurse said, I need to talk to you in the hallway. She said, I think your son has autism. And that was after asking my doctor in Florida for about a year if there was a problem. So, but yeah, that was our path. So I kind of knew early on, I, I knew pretty early. I knew it about six months that something was going. I knew he just graduated and we did a graduation party. And we were looking at pictures and people were like, I don't see the, aut-. like we were looking at baby pictures and they're like, I don't see the autism. I don't see the autism. I'm like, give me those pictures back. I'm like, let him, don't go there with me. Sometimes you think you've healed certain things and then sometimes the, they show you baby pictures and it all wells back up and you got to feel the feels again. So, And so he just graduated high school. Well, he didn't quite graduate high school. He got what is called the certificate of completion. So he finished the 12 years and he'll be transitioning to an adult program supported by our school district until he's 26. So he's got seven more years and he does life skills and things like that. So, but I have to tell you, I thought, you know, I thought I'd made peace with, he wouldn't go to college. He wouldn't get married. He wouldn't do this. He wouldn't do that. And then all the Facebook things popped up. This person's going to Purdue and this person's going to Notre Dame. And I was like, everyone loves to separate screws. (laughs) Yes, we all need screw separators in the world. Woo-hoo! I was like, yeah, you know, there's some screws that need to be separated right now. Right? Now, what so. was it like to have this intuition, right? This motherly intuition, gut mm-hmm. instinct. And it was definitely there, 100%. And then it have it be denied, to have it, no, mm-hmm. that's not what's happening. Uh, uh, it was very frustrating, especially given the fact that I'm speaking to all, if anyone has anyone that they know that is a newly diagnosed person, it's can be very unfair because they talk so stringently about how the earlier the intervention, you get the better chances they have and you have to do everything before five and it's go, go, go. And they put, you know, again, so much pressure on the parents to, you know, create these methods of intervention that we're not qualified for. And then they put these timeframes on it. You know, we, in theory, lost a year and a half, right? Because I kept Mm -hmm. asking and asking and asking and my doctor kept telling us, you know, telling me that I was wrong. And then we go to a new doctor and the first, I mean, she looked at my son for three minutes and asked to talk to me in the hall. Yeah. But it, it was frustrating. And, and, and can we someday have a podcast about, please, can we just get back to letting people as parents listen to their own intuition? Like, you know, stop reading all the books, stop listening to everyone and just keep them alive. 
That's the baseline. Keep them alive and listen to your intuition. That's where I come from as a parent. Let's put that down for your show ideas. <laughs> Every time we have our running show ideas. Uh, you know, when you when you talk about autism, I can't with like the whole process, my mind's also just like seeing the exact same thing with eating disorders in so many mm-hmm. ways. Like the journey's different, it looks different. And there's there's it's almost like with all these different things that we can struggle with with health issues, there's kind of this larger patterning that's the mm-hmm. same and then fill mm-hmm. in what the issue is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's kind of interesting. Well, what parallel are you seeing? Tell me more about that. I'm what seeing the mean? parallel between one where everybody's different, like someone could have bulimia, anorexia, binge eating. It could happen at this age, at the age of five. It could like start then develop or mm-hmm. it could happen later. And when you're talking about parents, sometimes when parents are like they're saying the earlier you catch the eating disorder, the more likely that you'll be able to resolve it. And so then that puts a lot of stress on parents who are like, I don't even know what to do with this kid. Like I have a struggle like with my own body issues and feeding myself. Like how am I supposed to feed the kid? Well, it's interesting because food issues are so big with autism and my own eating issues exacerbate what goes on with my son with autism and his food issues and how if he would, you know, we did the gluten-free, dairy-free diet. We did the GAPS diet and we've done like, we tried everything, but like it, it's, it was really hard for me because I have my own issues with food and really struggling with that. But what I actually thought that we were, the reason why I asked you to go deeper on that is because my mind went into eating disorders being a coping mechanism, right? So, you know, for me, my eating disorder, my food was a big part of my coping mechanism during the major periods of shame and guilt dealing mm. with Everett. Um, and also food just survival, like, right? Like, I, I mean, like the, my level of, in, of stress was so high. I was just constantly feeding my stress. So, but again. And so that just creates more shame though, because now you're, you know, having this tumultuous relationship with food and having like poor body image that comes with it. Which, again, goes to this whole concept of self-compassion because, you know, it's trying to implement a more, you know, beneficial and nurturing coping mechanism because, you know, food was not my answer. But shoot, the more love and tenderness and gentleness I can give myself and I'm working on it every single day, you know, the better. It, it, you know, when you hit that, that pocket of warmth, it's better than a hot cinnamon bun. Yeah. And I remember that was something that in the school of recovery was a big part of the programming was learning about self-compassion. And I remember you saying how, you know, you had such a strong, punitive, punishing voice inside of you. And then to start to like, just see that there was a whole other way that you could talk to yourself. And now what, like five, six years later, you're, you have a completely different relationship now with, with how you, how you meet that shame, how you meet disappointment, how you meet maybe emotions that are harder to feel. But I'm still not perfect. It's still a practice. I mean, it is still something that I practice every day. And I'm grateful for how far I've come. And I am so I sit there and I think like, you and I talk about this all the time, like in two years, like how far I've come in two years, like, in two years, am I gonna be levitating wearing a white turban, because I'm just gonna be like, so at peace and ease with myself. You know, I still hear that voice in it. It can just be wicked. I always said that I used to say that I'd go to bed lacerating myself, like I would just lacerate myself every night. And I think that's why the eating came in late at night because I didn't want to go to bed. I didn't want to face that. So. Well, that's why it's called a practice. So I think yeah. that's something to kind of have that. like, And that's why I love that you are doing a show, moving in now into your show topic here, like because you're doing a show that's now going to help you. I always say this. So this goes now to kind of the lesson of when you're creating a podcast or a mission-driven business. There has to be a part of it that is aligned with where you're at now 
but where you want to go. Like, who do you want to see yourself be in X amount of time? Because your show, your, your business, all of that can help you get there. You're aligning with these values, these uh, principles. And so they move you forward. So now you're aligning with you know, compassion. So therefore, you're now going to become an expert in compassion, self-compassion. And this will help you get to that two-year mark where you're levitating with your turban, your white turban. Mm-hmm. And Stevie Nicks clothes. Don't forget my Stevie Nicks clothes. And Stevie clothes. Nicks clothes. <laughs> um, I think that one of my core values that I think it's important to note is that I really want to inter- – like what brings me the most joy in life is I want to interact with people. And when I was really asking myself, where do I want to go with this podcast? What do I want to do? How do I want – I really – I want to connect with people. I don't want people to feel alone, which is a major, major part about being an autism parent. You can become so isolated so quickly. And I want people to feel like that they're safe and they're loved and they're supported and protected. And if I'm not around to do it, and if Blessica's not around to do it, then you know you have every reserve within that beautiful soul and heart and brain of yours to do it. We just need to make sure you have the tools you know, make sure you're aware of the tools that so you can practice that. So I, you know, I hope that I can add value to anyone who is, you know, suffering or, you know, having self-recrimination or feel stuck or, you know, wants to, I, I just, every day of my life, I have been taking steps forward that color and light are reentering. When I had a heavy, dark, sad, clogged, scared, fearful life. And now every day, and that's not to say that some days I don't trip and fall on my face and I'm like, don't pick yourself up, dust yourself off, start again. But there's so much so much more light and color comes into my day and breath and air and expansion. So I hope that for other people. Yes. And that's life though. I mean, to like have this expectation that it's always perfect and like we're never going to have flops and, and missteps, failures, whatever, however you want to word them. Like it's part of it. It's part of the journey. And actually when you look forward to them, that's like when things get really fun. Well, and the other thing is too, is learning to accept yourself as messy. Like it's okay. Give yourself permission to be messy. Like, you know, I was never given permission to be messy. I was never given permission to be imperfect. And now like literally like I'll look around my house and I am winning no awards for cleanliness. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm a hoarder, but like I am not winning any awards for cleanliness. And I look around and I say, okay, like who's, are you passing judgment on yourself? So you can pass judgment on yourself and start cleaning, or you can sit here and watch the Real Housewives of Dubai and, you know, clean your toilets it's commercial which is sometimes my choice i'm not gonna lie it's good balance so i love this about colette she likes tv and i haven't owned a tv in 22 years so i feel like i get to kind of vicariously live through you like i did not know there's a real housewives of dubai well it's brand new so you're off the hook there's only been four episodes and it's pretty epic already i'm sure there's like like gold toilets it's the city of gold right yeah Yeah, do they have like is it just Bling bling everywhere. Um, I have not seen any gold toilets. That's not to say it's not going to be in a future episode, but yeah, it's super bling bling, which is the whole reason I watch. I watch for the clothes, which I barely brush my hair, so it makes no sense. <laughs> and then I watch for like their purses and their shoes and the houses that they live in and the cars that they drive and all the superficial stuff that when we talk about my wisdom, just forget is important to me. Okay, thanks. <laughs> That's your Capricorn coming through. It's like so wise at the same time. How valuable is that? It's the worst. I'm like, everyone be nice and kind to yourself. And I'm like, I just spent 45 minutes watching women be mean to each other. That makes (laughs) zero sense. Like, I can't get that time back. What am I doing? Lord. Maybe we'll like find a happy medium where like I'll start to watch TV and then you'll like 
like stop limit, watching like, TV. Not, I don't think stop. You know, like we'll like meet in the middle where it's like we watch like one thing a week or something. I actually think that would be a really good thing. I, you know, I think that that would be. There are definitely more important things I can do with my life than watch The Real Housewives. That's for sure. I mean, sometimes I just stare at the wall. I love <laughs> you know? staring at the wall. Sometimes just like I'm I'm stare- thinking, like staring at the wall. So. Well, and then the worst part is, is like you're like, well, how long have I been staring at the wall? And did I accomplish anything? Like, what was I thinking about? I don't know. Sometimes my wall staring, so it, I, some good things come out of it. It does. And then sometimes I'm like, again, I just lost 45 minutes of my life to brain candy, which is good. Everyone needs brain candy. It's rest. Rest. It's You'll rest. Hear me talk a lot about rest. We all need rest. Okay. Whatever form it comes in, rest that parasympathetic nervous system, people. When we first started working together, you were like self-compassion. Like, I just want to spread this around the world. I want everybody to know about self-compassion. This is my mission. I, I know it's helped me so much and it's helped people, you know, in, in so many different walks of life, what they're struggling with. I'm like, I hear you. I believe you. I'm the same. I know self-compassion is like the antidote to shame. And it's just a miracle to to really bring it into your life. But then we started to go from this is more of the kind of mission-driven business aspect of it and your podcast, where I asked you, well, who do you, you know, who do you want to serve? What's what's the the person, right? There's this idea of an ideal customer avatar, which is another way of just saying the kind of the ideal person you'd like to help. And many people, when they're just starting out, they think, they want to help everybody. <laughs> like, I was like, know? and Jessica, what was my answer? Everybody. Everybody. Like, um, that's not going to work. You're like, let's narrow it down just a tad. And so let's talk about that process because I think it's important. A lot of people feel like once you narrow it down that you're going to be cutting off opportunity and then you're going to lose opportunity just by going more narrow. So I want to hear about your experience of as we started to kind of refine who you're going to help what opened up for you in that process? Well, I think it's really interesting you started by saying you do come into it thinking you just want to help everyone. It's like you've got this, you've got this um like web of of knowledge and wisdom and experience, and you're like, I just need to touch everybody. Everyone needs to know it. And then you started, you know, working together as as my life coach. You were asking me pointing questions and having me do different types of research and having me, you know, look at different things. And every time I would go off, you'd send me on my merry way to, you know, go be independent and, and try to figure things out. I would see the value of, okay, this makes more sense. These are the people I'm going to resonate with. And, you know, that's not to say that, you know, someone who listens to my podcast doesn't, you know, pick up some nugget of value that they can apply to any part of their life or to anything else. I just, I was able to pivot and kind of keep an open mind to, it, it would be okay to just want to reach out to us as a mom's because, and truly, I believe if I help 12 people, if there are 12 people that can go to night, go to bed at night and sleep better, because I say it's okay to be imperfect and it's okay to be a mess. And, you know, you're doing the best you can. That's enough for me. That's plenty. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going out. To, I'm not trying to be Oprah. I am try, kind of trying to be, Karen, <laughs> but I'm not trying to be Oprah. I am Oprah. Um, so, but yeah, you know, well, there was resistance Those, at first. There was total resistance. Absolutely. I wanted to help everybody. And, you know, I kept going, oh, well, men need support too and blah, 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 which I totally believe. But, you know, the bottom line is you and I have had discussions that the more authentic you can be, the more it'll resonate with people. And my life and my world is an autism mom. And so, you know, those are my people. Those are my heart. I, I've been in their shoes. I've laid in their bed. I've been in their hole. My job is to bring value to your experience to help you heal and have rest and have ease and have joy and have light and have color. And so those are the people that I'm going to be the most successful with. So really committing to that is what I finally got there. But it definitely took forever because I was like, ah, I want to help everybody. And, and I do hope that I can just take a breath 
and understand that there is time. And once I kind of get my feet underneath me about something like, you know, I would like to pursue like, you know, become a heart with different capillaries and veins going off in different directions if I can. But right now my focus is going to, you know, really be to serve my, my people. I love how you use the visual of a heart there. You're so heart centered. Well, also too, in like, you can think about verticals or another way of kind of like, yeah, like concentric rings, but there's that core that you want to start with because it's almost like wavelengths. When you are able to speak someone's wavelength, it's easier to, to get on and connect with these people. And so a lot of the reason why going narrow, which is called like your niche, getting down into a, a niche. I loved all your little anachronisms you kept throwing at me. Yeah. But this idea of a niche is like really helps you know the exact wording. Like you know what an autism mom, you know what keeps her up at night. You know mm-hmm. what her hope is. Worries her, are. Yeah. Worries, mm-hmm. right? Hopes, worries, dreams, you know. You know, it's funny because I was at a baseball game the other day and this mom was new. She'd never been there. And she was like, I haven't wanted to come because I've been so scared. And I was like, well, why? And she's like, because my son's behavior. And I was like, girl, I'm like, this is where the behaviors come. We are the most welcoming, non-judgmental. He can lay down on the floor and completely spaz out. You can lay down next to him crying. And we'll just be like, you got this, girl. You good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> As an autism mom, that's like a whole nother reality. Like when your kid acts up compared to, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh like- God, the judgment when people don't understand is like brutal. Like mm-hmm. I've literally like laid down on top of my friend's kids in public or I've like stood and given, you know, the look like, don't you dare even mess with us. Oh, and you should in my early days, ooh, back when I was not nice and people would say something mean to me, it was like a win-win because I would go off on them and I would feel so much better because I'd rage at them and they would have learned something. But thankfully, I don't really have any because people used to be really mean. Really, I was told that I was a shitty fucking mother. Someone said, You are a shitty fucking mother. And I was like, Wow. (laughs) Yeah, the judgments. People feel so entitled to like. Mm -hmm. God, and that's the last thing we need. Everyone should just be supporting everybody. It's hard on all of us. Just. You know, it's hard on all of us. And you're only judging because, you know, you you know that there's insecurities under there that you're not really addressing. But we just need support. Just, you know, everybody's doing their best. Everybody's doing their best. And I love how you're going to bring that to to autism moms. And without a doubt, you will be able to help other people, right? That's, I think, often in the process of getting specific on who you want to help, then you'll be like, wait, but my message is so much bigger. And the these tools and these, uh, you know, practices I'm going to be sharing and, and these kind of concepts, they're, they're transferable across uh, all human conditions and, and struggles. Yeah, you can just remove autism and plug in anything, even just your normal kids. I mean, and that's the hardest thing that I think that was my biggest resistance is that an autism mom deals with challenges, but so does a neurotypical mom. Neurotypical meaning that, you know, it's in theory, a child is quote unquote normal, neurotypical, but like they have just as hard of challenges. Sometimes I think that my son with autism is easier. My neurotypical kid is going to make me lay down in traffic. Like, you know, it's just like you just never know. It's like you can, and again, everyone's experiences are valid. Everybody's challenges are valid, no matter what they look like. And applying the different tools of self-compassion in any way, shape or form, in any time anyone's having any type of difficulty is has value. I, I will always come back to the word of having value. Mm. So That's your Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is really? Oh yeah. It's all about value. It's rest too, because I'll be like, rest, value, rest, No, that's value. Not. <laughs> Definitely not rest. That's why you need to learn about rest. <laughs> Which a lot of us need to learn to rest. Actually, the kind of like opposing side of your energy, right? The polar energy of it, the, the other polar end is compassion and rest. So often it's what we need to integrate within ourselves is what 
you know, and, and actually what becomes our healing medicine. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 the beauty of it. It's 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 often that kind of polar opposite that we need to integrate and find mm-hmm. more wholeness. Which is around. probably why I gravitate so strongly to self compassion is because it is something that my soul needs without a Very doubt. Very much so. Which yeah. is why you'll be a great teacher of it because mm-hmm. you you truly do need it, right? So the med- you're you know you are the medicine woman in that sense. Wounded, you're taking wounded healer. Yes, wounded that's your Chiron. That's your wounded. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hashtag wounded healer. Hashtag wounded healer. Chiron Colette. <laughs> oh, right. Chiron. Tell us again what that is. It's a Japanese word for... No, that's Kaizen. Oh, Kaizen. Okay. We okay. are just getting... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. So in our final minutes here, I want to unveil the name that you chose to help this segment, these people, these autism moms... Uh, so everybody can kind of get a taste of what is coming in the future and what show that they can subscribe to and listen and support you with. Well, um, the name of the podcast and the name of basically the world that I'm going to create, so whatever other facets come out of it, is called Compassion Confetti. And um, yay, woo We just sprinkled confetti. Sprinkle that shit everywhere. Um, but basically Compassion Confetti is – you know, we talked about being messy, but we also have to, in confetti, every mom knows that confetti is messy. And then, you know, but we also have to celebrate where we're at and, you know, celebrate where we're at and drop into that moment and love yourself hard and with tenderness and support and warmth in those moments, whatever they look like. And I think we, I talked to you about how confetti is actually an Italian plural for small sweet. It means small sweet. And some of us deserve small pockets of sweetness in our life. And I thought that that was so serendipitous when I saw that word with confetti because I'd already known that I had wanted to use it for the messy aspect and for the celebrated aspect of where we're at. And then when I saw it was small sweet because we were only, we could only maybe manage a, you know, a very small sweet per day, but we deserve that sweetness. We deserve that tenderness and we deserve that love, you know, whether it be three minutes a day or 20 minutes or three hours, whatever it looks like. But hopefully I'll have some tools and strategies and wisdom and experiences and conversations that will really, you know, help this idea flourish in the hearts and minds and lives of my autism moms. Oh my gosh. I love it. Compassion confetti. It's such a fun name. Well, it's so funny because like a lot of my friends have started calling me confetti instead of Coletti because a lot of people call me Coletti and now they're calling me confetti. And then my one friend that texts me all the time puts the confetti thing on the text every time. So every time I open a text from her, I get the confetti, like, you know, like the, you know, the like confetti that flashes all over your, your screen. So I'm like, all right, that's getting old, but (laughs) you better get used to it. (laughs) I know. But think about like all the fun t-shirts and stuff we can make with confetti. And then like when we have big parties and we're going to have like confetti come from the ceiling and somebody else is going to have to come in with a vacuum and it's not going to be us. We're just going to be dancing in the confetti. It's going to be fun. And what I love too about the compassion confetti is the sweetness because I truly believe when we can bring in that compassion, we bring in that sweetness, so many other things that we look outside of us to to kind of numb or create that sweetness, whether it's food or uh, relationships, kind of like things where it's like, I need that. When we can generate it within ourselves, it, it's so, it's, you know, it's the infinite well. It just can always nourish you and bring you that, that love, that that tenderness. That's a concept, that infinite well, that I really daydream about. Like, you know, when you get, because I don't know if I would be able to put a percentage on where the the mean Colette comes in and the loving Colette counters. I just dream of that deep well of where, you know, that ease and peace and, and tenderness and warmth and support is just 
effortless, right? It's not like, and it's not always going to be like that. And, you know, I will be joyful for a two minute moment of it and I'll be joyful for a whole day. But the concept of continuing this practice and having it in my life more and more and more is just a lovely, lovely way to go through life, to have faith that that's going to constantly be be there and be a part of my life. So mm-hmm. you are just a lovely, lovely human. And I'm so excited for this opportunity for everybody to see your journey. We just today talked about, you know, the introduction of you starting a podcast, Compassion Confetti, coming out, Autism Moms. So there's so much more we're going to be getting into around the process of you know, getting a website, getting people on the show, um, becoming certified so you can go on to to teach more about this. And so I'm excited to, to yep, just- Yep, it's definitely a journey. You know, I'm kind of, I'm in it to win it. I'm in the thick of it, but it's a journey and it's gonna, I can't wait to see what happens over the next couple weeks, the next couple days, the next couple months. There's just all kinds of fun things. And, you know, working with this amazing life coach I have named Blessica, you know, um, the world is really become my oyster. You know, we talked- so what's the math on when I started how to become unstuck years ago we talked I think, about I think I did that in 2017 right so we talked about that make magic happen was early 2018 January 2018 right so we worked together my timeline I mean look at my timeline I have by no means you know come off like a rocket ship but having started working with you and taking the action steps and every time I take my action steps it clarifies my mission and you know, bolsters my confidence and you're forcing me to like knock down all of these fears. Are we even going to get into technology? Is that like a whole nother discussion? But I'm eternally grateful for you because it has just been even like, you know, my, some of my naysayers as of late are like, wow, like you're really getting this done. Like you're really doing, you're really like, you've talked about this for 900 million years and now suddenly you're getting it done. I'm like, well, I may have had a focus and executive functioning problem, but I have learned that when there are obstacles. You have to address the obstacles. And my blessing was my Blessica. She was, I needed her to, she, one of my obstacles was my focus and my um, executive functioning. And she has now fixed that. So <laughs> thank you, sweetie. Thank you for Aww. helping me get, you know, further along on my path than I ever dreamed. And I just feel like it's just going to continue. And the world is my oyster. And I think everyone needs to know that no matter how old you are, or what you're doing or what your life looks like, you can totally 100% ask yourself, what do you need? What do you want? What do you love? What does my, what do I I want my dream life to look like, and then you can start working toward it. You don't have to be Oprah. You can just, you know, if you help 12 people, people, it's all good. Yeah, I truly believe that we don't become our brightest and best and boldest versions of ourselves by ourselves. No, it (gasps) it does take support. We need need other people to reflect back to us. Well, you know, that's one of the biggest parts of of self-compassion is common humanity. You're not alone in this. We are not alone in this. And let me tell you, autism moms out there or any mom or anyone out there, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to be open. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to be messy. But yeah, I, I without when I isolate and when I'm not connected, I flounder and get sad. I really do. And when I am, you know, plugged in and talking and working toward goals, my heart is just fully open and full of color and light. And it's a way more fun place to be. Well, let's close on that inspiring note. And Colette, you did amazing in this show, by the way. This is her first time ever coming onto a podcast, if I'm correct. Yep. Nope. Oh my God, you freaking nailed it. Like there's literally like no edits. Like I don't, you don't even use like ums as uh, uh, uh. So wow, <laughs> that's amazing. And thank you for, for being you and 
for sharing this journey with us. I love my blessica. I'm a blissner. I'm a dedicated blissner. We we got to follow our bliss and you are a testament to what that looks like. So yes. thank you. And thank you to all the blissners out there. We love you. I know Jessica loves you because she talks about you all the time. She loves you too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you love this episode and know of someone else who is following their bliss, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to me if we can get this cause and message out to as many people as possible. So if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this show with your friends. And I will be forever grateful for your support. And until the next episode, this is Jessica Flint encouraging you to follow your bliss and to unapologetically be bold, be brave, and be you.